Airing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect. Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to come before you. I pray right now that your words would just jump out to us, Father, that your scripture, your holy scripture, what we rely on to get to know you would breathe life into us, that would refresh our minds and refresh our spirits and refresh our soul, that it would pour joy into our hearts that we're coming before you to hear from you, Father, to hear something fresh and new, even though it's timeless. Father, take our hearts by surprise and woo us into understanding. Father, that we would put aside those things that hold us back, that would tell us to wait. Father, we would rush to you, that we would be in your presence, and that we would know you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, community, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, we want you guys to know two things as we get started here. You are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. So it is a big day in the Buddy Walk community. We made the choice early on to keep this show ad-free. We've had a hard time with the idea of putting in commercial breaks. So we've created a new opportunity for anyone who wants to support the show, the ministry, uh, help us grow. We've started a Patreon, patreon.com slash buddywalkwithjesus. There's perks over there like bonus content, monthly live streams with us, and an opportunity for a discount at our new store. We've partnered with Teespring to create the first line of Buddy Walk With Jesus merchandise. There's all kinds of stuff, t-shirts, hoodies, pillows. You can find the links for all of that stuff down in the episode description as well as at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Also in the episode description is a link for our Discord server. We have listeners from all over the world, and so uh, there's a real opportunity for us to come together, um, fellowship, talk, pray, the whole nine yards. Our prayer team's email address is prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Please feel free to reach out whatever prayer requests you guys have. This week, we're going to discuss the parable of the sower. This parable is one of only three parables which are recorded in all three synoptic gospels it's in matthew 13 3 mark 4 3 and luke 8 5. though it's impossible to say for certain why exactly each writer included this particular parable we can safely affirm that each man was moved by holy spirit to make this parable part of their gospel account. Whatever other reasons which might have motivated uh, these writers, it is most likely that they simply understood how important the teaching was in light of the new kingdom ethic, which taught Christ's rule was first and foremost an issue of the heart. And no illustration demonstrated this more vividly than the parable of the sower. 
Jesus understood that there are many obstacles that might hinder and prevent somebody from truly receiving the kingdom message. This parable is designed to warn the disciples and those who would follow the way that every effort must be made to cultivate a heart of belief. Rather than allowing hardness, shallowness, cluttered lives to rob them of the joy and fruitfulness of their new kingdom status. Well, this has been an interesting time of study for me. Um, I don't know, Joe, if you've ever had that experience where you study, you study, you study, and you feel like you still have more to pull out and you don't know if you can even do justice to the thoughts that are trying to form in your head. Yeah. Um, this is going to be one of those times. So for every listener, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but this is one, actually one of the joys of reading the Bible and, and letting the Holy Spirit speak to you and guide you is that you do not know where he's going to take you. And you hope that as you go through it, you'll be able to understand and be able to um, have a cohesive thought or at least at the very least a nugget that you can take with you so that's what i'm i'm shooting for right now for myself and as joe shared this story is found more in more than one gospel and i'm going to read from matthew 123 because that's the one i chose to to study on i'm gonna probably break it down into sections because it does lend that way when i was reading it that there's the storytelling oh there's a a bit of context and then that goes to goes to the explanation um and i'm going to read from the nlt and starting in verse one later that same day jesus left the house and sat beside the lake a large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly and because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 60, 30, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. This portion here where the parable is being told, a couple things did pop out to me. and I, um, But we know that one of the things that if we were to think about it, and there are people who have very good imaginations when they read something. A lot of times when I read, I don't stop to really set the scene, so to speak. Children are good at this, by the way. 
They'll create a whole world around and they'll develop the same. But the Bible tells us that Jesus sat beside the lake and the crowd that came was so large that he got into a boat. So right now, what is that telling us when we're developing this? You know, there's a lot of people that are coming to hear this parable. That may be key to why this parable is being said at this time. So we find out that as Jesus was there on the shore and the crowd began to form and got larger, he decided that it would be better to get inside of a boat and go on the water and tell the story from that position. Now, the thought is that water can carry sound much better than the ground, which it muffles it. And it's sort of like when you move into a house and before you move in and there's no furniture, everything is echoey and bouncy and you hear like your voice booming back at you, you hear your footsteps. And so there's a lot of noise, but it has that kind of quality to it of amplifying. But in my mind, when I thought about this, I said, the water must be relatively peaceful because if it was wavy, then it would have interruptions and it wouldn't carry the sound like straight across that calm water would. Which, you know, in of itself is not a big thing. We, you know that Jesus stilled the storm. So a little berber from a lake is not going to do much. Um, so here we have him speaking. He's setting the, the environment so that people will hear what he's saying. And because this is a large crowd, he's going to say something really important. He wants it to be heard. That's sort of like what he's doing right now. He's creating an environment where the word of God is being spoken and there's an opportunity or an environment to hear it, to hear what the message is. And he goes, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. So with your imagination, this farmer would be God sending the gospel out. And he scattered them across his field. And what would your imagination say the field is? Field would be the physical world. And some seeds fell on a footpath. Now I'm going to ask, Joe, since you're the only one that can answer me, <laughs> I have to ask you. What then the birds came and ate them? What kind of birds do you think they were? What comes to mind just off the top of your head? Something like a crow, something like that. You know, that's exactly what I thought of prior to reading this. You know, the no. blackbirds, the crows, the ravens. Right. But if I think about it, and I don't really think of crows are carrion eaters they eat things that die so why would they be after seeds and now what i got were what are seed eaters what what birds are those these are like finches and all these beautiful types of birds so now that took me to a thought i want you to keep in mind i'm going to call them songbirds these pretty birds 
women love these birds. My mother-in-law loves these types of birds, lovebirds, um, parakeets, all these ones. I think they're squawkers, basically. They make loud, high-pitched noise. And people say they're very musical, but I think they're just talking and we hear it as music. Um, but not to take away, I'm gonna get back to that. Remember the picture of the birds, what comes to mind? Because for me, this was, I'll put the word dubious when um, I thought about it in context of what Christ reveals the parable to say. So without giving too much away, I'm going to go on. So some of the seeds fell on the, a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. So, and I recently heard somebody give a testimony that they planted um, I, whatever plant it was, whatever crop it was, cotton, and they put it three inches deep and um, it didn't come up. Um, and then because there was no rain, uh, so they planted shallow and wound up dying because there was too much rain. So the, the depth of how you plant is very key in this. And the thought that they has underlying rock um, is very key to this. So the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. So it's closer to the sun. So it's able to sprout sooner. It's able to, I'm going to say be birthed. I don't want to say give fruit because when we talk about plants, we think of trees and all that stuff, but it's able to appear. So the gospel appears in a person's life. And by that, I mean the fruit of the gospel or, you know, oh, I'm, I'm gun ho kind of thing. The, oh, better yet, the novelty of the gospel. Um, I know some people just got what? Record skip. I hope you're not driving during this moment. So this is what happened to some people. And it says, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun since they didn't have deep roots. And so I'm not a plant, so I don't know the ins and outs. But with the deep roots, if they didn't have deep roots, they died probably because they got parched. Their roots didn't go far enough down to get moisture, to keep it cool, and it withered. That's what I'm, I'm assuming there. And then the other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Now. I know a lot of people feel this way right now. You feel choked by the things that are going on and you know, you're a tender plant and these things are overwhelming. And I don't want you to think of yourself as that plant. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produce a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So Joe, here goes a question. So who are you in this story? Who Who is the reader in this story, I should say? The reader is the soil. Yes, very much so. so we find out that there's some qualities if we're not careful and you know people are in different stages in their lives so if you're in one you know you may go to another one um at another point but the key is out of all of these one is able to receive the gospel and because you receive it and you're ready to hear it 
it naturally does what it does as the gospel. It reproduces a crop or produces a crop. So on that particular note, remember where you and I met, right? And all of the lessons and all of the things that we were all learning and all of the meat that was on the bone regarding that course, that whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so you take somebody like you who was in a position where you were ready to take, to, to hear that you were receptive, it, it worked. Whereas like we talked about the story, the story with me at that point in time, it was all gold. Like it was all nothing. It was all good stuff, but I was not in the position. And so I ran and it's interesting to look at the human experience when you can look at yourself or a person if there's somebody that you're watching this happen with where there's this there's these it's like these off ramps right on the highway where a person will have an opportunity to hear the gospel and to hear truth and to have those things exposed to them but if the person is so hard-hearted and not not receptive, then it's the, it's the whole thing that we've talked about with God being a gentleman, that he gives us the agency to be able to make choices and to be able to have freedoms and mm -hmm. things like that. So it's really interesting to see, especially with two people like you and I, who have now come, you know, everything has come full circle more or less. And now we're doing what we're doing now, how these, how something like this would have such a drastic difference of impact between two people. Yeah. This is why community and relationship is important because you never know who's where and what's in need. And if you are fertile ground, you can give what's essentially the crop. What is the crop is going to not supernaturally do what it's intended to do. Right. And that's reach out to others to bring them to the kingdom of God. If you are one of those who are in the other three categories, there is issues at odds. Now, going back to the crowd, this is all they heard up, up to that point. And that was it. They didn't get any of the explanation. They got nothing else. So if you were in that crowd, what would you have gleaned enough? Now we know that the scriptures, and we said it before, that it is to the glory of God to conceal a mystery and it's to the glory of kings to seek it out. And I know I'm saying that off a little, but God conceals a mystery. And a lot of times the parables are there because it, it is for people to draw it out. And if you were one of the people in the last category, you would want to draw it out because you want to produce that. And it's hard for me to say, you know, the mindset and the culture, they would, they would have gotten something like that. They would have known immediately how to draw the correlation. We're fortunate and maybe not fortunate to have the explanation before us because when you get an explanation you didn't work for, sometimes you can just throw the answer to the side. If you struggle to learn something, you make it your own. So there's a benefit, but there's also a, um, a, a deficiency, a disadvantage 
And, and so we have to be careful when we come to the Bible that we don't treat it as something we can push to the side. And by that, I mean, oh, I got to get my chapters read. I got to get my two verses in. Whatever it is, I got to go and, you know, meditate on God's word. I got to memorize a verse. We can, we can put things to the side, even though we engage with it. And a lot of times we can, a similar way we do it every day is, uh-huh, yeah, okay, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, that's our resp automatic responses to conversations. So, where we're at, we have to realize God wants us to be fertile soil, so that we can have the gospel do what it supernaturally does. Otherwise, it's falling under one of the three things: it's either being stolen away, or it's withering up and dying or it's being choked to death. Either way, we lose. So, picking up in verse 10, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So this sounds at the surface harsh, but what God is saying, the soil has decided to be a certain way. The soil has decided to be a footpath, hard packed, you know, from being trodden upon. Now, there are gonna be a lot of people who can, uh, what's that word? Um, where they, uh, <laughs> they escapes me, but they can, they can um, feel like they're, they're being walked on all the time and they get their hard exterior sympathize with the soil, the hard packed soil. And then there are people who are going to have the underlying rocks. They have a softer surface, they're nice to get along, but then they have what could be considered, and this is a throwback to a couple episodes again, a sarcastic side, a side that stops people from enjoying who they are. And then another one could be one that always worries. You know, they call them chicken little. I wouldn't use that word, but ones that have such a fear factor where they become immobile. Um, they won't want to leave the house. They won't want to make friends. They, they don't trust anybody. Oh, you're just going to hurt me again. Uh, that kind of thing. So this is, this is hard areas that the corrupt world is very good at making into people's lives. And then we start to do it because we realize it's also a defensive mechanism that we could use. So we take it on as our identity. 
And that's where the problem lays for us. Because when God wants to sow seed, we are deciding not to be that soft ground. And that can be hard because it's not something that's seen relatively easily. And, you know, this is where you may need a, a more mature brother or sister in the faith, a Christian, a good Christian counselor. I have to put good in there. Um, uh, a, a pastor who has a heart for his flock. And by that, I mean, he's not given to telling you, well, you just have to try harder. But one is, you know what, help me to understand what you see as the obstacle because I'm not seeing it. You know, that kind of um, I, genuineness is refreshing for a pastor to say that. I've not run into too many, uh, but the ones that I have are golden. The Bible is not a rule book. It's not a how-to, um, a self-help. It's not, it is God speaking. And it's God speaking first and foremost about himself. So if we can take that rule, if God showing us who he is and start to glean from that, then he tells us who we are. Not only does he tell us who we are, but he tells us who he wants us to be in him. So there goes that relationship. And then he tells us about the enemy and how to destroy his works. So we have an active calling to be. Every man, woman, and child should be about those things. Honoring God, loving others, and love through loving yourself the way God intends, and then destroying the enemy's works. And I don't care if it's pornography or gossip. Both of them are on the same level. Destroying the enemy's works can take what we consider a grave sin, and it could take a, what we would consider, yeah, that's not too bad. It's a white lie, not a big deal. So going back to this, we see that our identity is very important. Who we are as the ground counts for something. It counts for very big. So picking up in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see in your ears because they hear, I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. But they didn't see it. They long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now, there are some people who say, and I don't, I hope it's not applied to this section, but well, that was for the disciples. And now, you know, Jesus is addressing the disciples and saying directly to them that this is for your ears because you hear. So now we have what we are, we are audience to a private conversation. But my belief is that because we are hearing this and God is revealing it, he's also revealing it to us those who come after. And this is why it's important that we read the Word of God, because we would not get this information through any other source. We would not find out about God's desire for us to know the plain truth of what He has said out to many. Now, I do want to step back for a moment and say, you know, this is for this parable is about for those who hear the gospel it's in that context you hear the gospel you choose to do something with it 
or not do something with it. And by that not doing, I mean let it take root and grow and produce crops. So that's the context of the audience that heard the parable. So they're specific, but we know that the gospel has gone out to many people in the world since the early church. There are missionaries, there are um, television programs, there are YouTube channels, there are Facebook posts. We have a whole gamut of ways to share the gospel so that almost every people group that has technology will hear about it. That does require effort on our parts. We can't just assume that it is a principle in motion without our our input. And, you know, so any posting you do on social media that glorifies God is going to be important. It's producing crop. It is supernaturally doing it. And we should be given to that. But we should also be given to being that soil that is fertile. We don't want to put a post out there and then being caught in sin, whether it's gossip, whether it's pornography, whether it's um, murder. You know, so I'm going to throw out a big one there. We should be given to putting out the gospel in a life that is intimate with God, that honors him, that has been shown our value so that we can love others um, and that we are destroying the works of the enemy. We're claiming that ground. So picking up in verse 18, Jesus says, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted on in their hearts. So now we get to those pretty little songbirds that I so badly wanted to share about earlier. When you think of songbirds, and I alluded to before, you think these pretty birds, musical, they're, they're not the carrion eaters that I used to think about. They're not the filthy crows or ravens. Um, and I, I know someone's going to say crows are not, not quite carrion eaters, but the 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 image that came up was these bird songs um songs bird and the thought is that how deceptively sweet it is that they would come and pluck the seeds away and that is just like satan to do it in a way that fools us oh well that was nice he's a good teacher isn't he yeah, I'll save that for another lesson. You know, as opposed to the Savior, the gospel message, and the importance weight of it, Satan has actually stolen something and allowed death to enter in because the gospel message has gone away from this particular person. And it was done through, in my mind, and in the way I drew the, the scene, through pretty little songbirds. So always be careful because Satan doesn't look like the devil sometimes. He does look like an angel of light. Going on to verse 20. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. 
but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So here, if we were to draw it to today's world in America, and I want to ju juxtapose with other parts of the world where suffering does begin. Um, well, suffering, I shouldn't say does begin, but it's much greater and more violent than anything we face in America. You know, the roots going deep. Here again, we have the gospel where we have that novelty of something we learn. And, you know, without relationship of a mature believer, we can wind up being the person that falls away because we we run into a problem and i don't know if it has to be that big of a problem let's say it's um somebody who has relationship issues you know or someone who um who may have lost a job that's a big one by the way um but the problem could be any severity and it causes them to lose sight of the gospel, to put it aside, as I mentioned earlier. And then there are people who are persecuted for believing God's word. In America, we might be ridiculed. Um, you know, I used to get ridiculed in, in school and it wasn't big. You know, I wasn't, you know, like beaten. I was made fun of and I was laughed at, but it didn't bother me because I was laughed at and picked on all my life. So that didn't bother me. Um, but in other countries, it takes on a greater severity. I mean, there are people who, who because they attended a service, can die. Um, we've seen in the news where there are church services and people are attacked and killed for being at the service. Whether they've made a true confession of faith or not is irregardless to the, excuse me, regardless to the person who attacks them. So, you know, that kind of fear can keep a person from holding on to the Lord. And there, there are people who, and I've read some of the accounts, where people who are being persecuted would say, oh, no, 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 I'm not a Christian, and not make the decision to follow, because they realize that somebody may, wants to kill them. You know, somebody was there to kill them, but because they were able to tell the person in a way that was believable and say, you know, I'm not a Christian. I'm just here because I was invited. I don't want to die. I, I renounce whatever they were teaching here. I don't want any part of it. And they go back and they live their life. Um, and that's just the journey for that person. That's the way it is. It's, and what God does with that person afterwards is something that I'm, I believe God can redeem a situation. Maybe the guy will check out, or the woman will check out why were they killed? Why is this such a hated thing? Um, God has a miraculous way of doing miracles. And I don't think for people there's any greater miracle than salvation. So I'm gonna go on to the last verse. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produces and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. If you truly hear 
you will do what God says because the understanding comes. Um, we saw that in the illusion, not the illusion, the alluding to Isaiah um, about the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And we actually hear that phrase in Revelation. So it, it is a perpetual truth throughout humankind that if you hear, if you can hear God's word, then hear it. We see the first instance of hearing God's word. Um, well, the first one that's coming to my mind is Genesis 4-7 with Cain, but we know that God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit. But I want to go to Cain because Cain was told that sin is crouching at the door and he could master it. Now, there'll be people tell you, you cannot master sin. Well, God was giving Cain the strength to master it or the guidance to master it because he said it, God said it, so therefore it can be done. Willpower is very tricky. If it's born in pride, it'll die in pride. If it's born in the spirit, it goes on. So Cain was not willing to come alongside. So he was not willing to hear, even though he heard the word of God. Um, we know Adam and Eve also did the same thing. So it passed down from parents to child. But here we have God producing good fruit in the good soil that can hear what is being understand. And so because they can truly hear, they understand. And that understanding is about God's word. And every individual Christian has this ability to be fertile soil. Now there are tools, and I'll use the word tools, and I use it very loosely, that a person can use. And that's one like seeking wise counsel, and that be a brother or sister who's very godly. And by that, I'm talking about fruit of the spirit. I'm not talking about they have a religious spirit. Be careful of a religious spirit. They will put shackles on you. And we see this in the Bible through Pharisees um, and the creation of these extra laws that were not what Moses was given. So there's also the Bible. And there are books that point you back to the Bible. But the key thing to do, and this is where I hate to use the word tool, is to come before God and engage him as you read the Bible. Father, what does this mean? Because the Bible tells, and we spoke about this several episodes ago, that the Holy Spirit will give us the wisdom. We can draw it out as a deep well of understanding. We can draw it out because God wants us to. He wants you to learn about him. He wants you to see that your need can lead you to him. There are people who have very righteous needs. And by that, I, as an example, would say, I need my children to follow the Lord. I need my children to follow the Lord. Now, is that about me? No, it's about my children. And them following the Lord brings me peace and lets me feel connected to God. And if I'm not feeling that, then I say, I go to prayer and I talk to the Lord. I have this need and I want you to fulfill this need, this desire of mine, because it's a godly desire. And the one thing you'll learn is that the Bible talks about um, God will grant you the desires of your heart. But sometimes we don't understand what it's talking about. 
He's not going to give you a new wife when you have one. He's not going to give you a Maserati or the mansion, you know, that he could, but he's not giving this to you because it's a need or a desire. There are certain things that have to be understood that God, when he grants us the desires of our heart, he's talking about a genuine heart that's turned towards him. And he's like, hey, daughter, what do you want to do for the family business today? Oh, you know what? I want to be able to send $100 to an orphanage in Africa, or I want to be able to send a million dollars to an orphanage in America. Can you can you show me which, which place I should send it to? And then God grants us desire somebody comes along and says you know this is where you can now I'm, I'm giving a hyperbole but there are enough people who have given testimonies that this is the way it has worked out for them so we know that god is always working to better a the kingdom on earth and i was about to say better people and their lives but it's the kingdom and in the kingdom it's made up of god and people so there's a union there that that is there, a united community. So as we become fertile soil, we partake in this. We stop thinking about our own selfish desires and look at the holy desires because God wants us to love others as we love ourselves. And we we cannot dismiss that because a lot of times people say, oh, I have to put myself to the side. Oh, um, I don't want to give... You know, uh, I must decrease that, that he might increase. Well, that to me is taking John's words out of context. John was the voice in the wilderness and he was, he's been labeled the last Old Testament saint. God didn't have any of you before he saved you. Why would he want less of you after he saved you? No, he wants more of you. So you're going to be thinking, how can I connect with God? How can I walk hand in hand with God? How can I be this fertile soil? I'm dry right now. I'm hard packed because people have walked all over me. I can't even read the Bible, much less, you know, feel like it's giving me life. So how do I become soft? I, God, I need to be soft again. Here we go. We said, I need, we, and it's a godly request. I need God. If we come to God with our needs and not the solution, God, would you still, would you have this person stop bothering me? Oh my goodness, I can't get a moment's peace. God, I, I need peace. I feel at odds. What's, what's my solution, God? God can work with that. Bring you not only a solution, but a resolution. And what do I mean by that? Well, we know the answer is solution, but resolution is, in, in my way of thinking, is what will you do to allow that solution to take root? So there are many good things that God allows us to do. And in the parable of the sower, we find out that it is about relationship with the gospel. It is about relationship with God that is very key. It's not explicitly stated but it is implicitly there because as you are fertile ground and picture this god being the seed the gospel message comes into you and with you being fertile soil you form this symbiosis of living plants the gospel going out 
and that crop being plentiful. And we know that the crop, when we use the word crop, it is for the feeding of people. So even up out from people to the nations. So we help God receive his inheritance. And what is his inheritance? It is the nations of the earth. That's what the Bible says, the nations of the earth. It doesn't exclude any nation. So this message isn't about a seed becoming fertile in you. It is about God and the inheritance he will receive. That's the big picture. So the micro picture is one that I just said before. It is not only that, I should say, of this. There's many things God does um, when he's doing one thing. It's not one thing. He's doing like many things at once. And that's the great thing about God is he's a great economizer. With one action, he's doing a bunch of things at once. It is almost like um, when you watch those domino tricks and they all trail off, you knock one domino off and they spread out across these different branches, knocking over dominoes. And I hope everyone's familiar with this. Otherwise, <laughs> it's not as as uh, great as, uh, analogy, but all the dominoes are played. Through the falling of one, God has done it all. Uh, it's similar to a lot of things that happen in the Bible. Um, beginning with Genesis and God's redemption story, uh, where he talked about in Genesis 3, about the seed of one woman. But it's a good thing to be part of. Don't worry if you feel like the hard packed ground. Don't worry if you feel like the, the, the shallow ground with rocks under you. Uh, and don't feel worried if the thorns are coming out and you're worried about tomorrow. Think of God, think of your need and talk to your father in heaven about your need and say, I, I need this godly thing to happen and I don't have the solution. I lack wisdom. Can you help me, God? The issue a lot of time a lot of the time seems to be that the Bible is treated as merely an intellectual book that is to be studied uh to make us smarter, better, more well-informed. Um you were describing before about how things can be worked on but still set aside, treated like just another line item. Um, and we've talked about that being at the core of the issue with a lot of these read the Bible in a year sort of plans um, because you take away all of the uh, the passion and heart out of it. Um, in Hebrews 4, it says that the word of God is living and active, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's powerful enough to bring about radical transformation in the hearts and minds of people if we will receive it. Look at all of the people from biblical times until now that whether or not they, they were famous or in your own personal life, taking notice of people that just, you know that of their own free will, of their own two cents, by their own strength, they're not embarking on that radical of a change. It's just impossible. 
And Paul understood this same kind of principle when he said in Colossians to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This phrase speaks literally about the word of Christ finding a home in our hearts. So as we foster holiness and purity by turning from sin and constantly seeking to set our minds on the things above, as Colossians says, we are ensuring that when Holy Spirit sows his truth in our hearts, that the soil will be ready to receive righteous seeds that will grow and mature into spiritual fruit. Like you said before, as these seeds are being casted out, to understand who we are in all of this and not get caught up in this idea of us being the farmer, us being responsible for all of it, that we are not, people People will receive it. We are not responsible for that part. God is. Right. There's um an interesting, well, let me get to this other verse from 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 Luke first because I do want to reiterate the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved if, if I go to and I'm going to read this out of the ESV because I liked it the most out of that one um, 1 Corinthians 2.14 the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So if if the person who is on the footpath, the hard pact, is the same mindset that's described in 2.14, um, it's a person who's not open to the things of God. and. It, you know, there are some people that are going to fall into it. I don't want to say everybody who's in that is that same mindset where they believe God's stuff, anything related to God is folly. And unfortunately, in America, we are seeing that a lot of people are promoting that kind of a mindset. Part of that is because the church has not done her job. But good news is God redeems everything, including time and most of all people. So as the church learns to come into union with God, meaning being intimate and engaging with God, reading the scriptures and, and, and praying as through listening um, as much as, or even more than speaking, the Holy Spirit is going to create an outpouring. We know that because the Bible says in the latter days there'll be an outpouring that's greater than the former rain. So we want to be on the side that helps the people who are currently what the Bible calls in folly or foolish. Um, so as we wind up being these people by becoming intimate with God, we're going to naturally or supernaturally, I should say, become the people that become that fertile ground that produces a crop of 30, 60, 100 percent what was planted. So the funny thing is you could think of that as one seed, but that's not how you scatter seed. You scatter seed a bunch on the ground. 
So you could have a hundred seeds thrown on. You could have thirty, but it's thirty times thirty, thirty times a hundred, thirty times whatever was thrown on you. So don't limit yourself to one plant. Nobody, no farmer plants one plant. You don't put your hopes in one plant. It's a numbers game. And I'm sure anybody in marketing will say this because I think marketing is where this comes from. It's a numbers game. The more you throw, the more likely you're going to get back. So you can think of yourself. You know those chia pets where the the hair grows on the head, or the plants. Think of yourself as your whole body being a chia pet, and you're like this swamp thing kind of plant creature. Now you've got all these seeds come. That will be so great in God's eyes to see that that amount of crop coming out of you. And believe me, when you go before the Lord, you would love that too. I know it sounds silly, but when you think of and equate it with God's kingdom being advanced through your fertile ground, it is so meaningful. And anybody can do this, no matter what stage in life you are. Don't think of yourself as corrupt beyond redemption. God is full of stories where He saved people from that. You know, a there's a there's a verse that someone said, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will grant you the desires of your heart." But if you go into the word delight, it doesn't mean delight the way we think about it. Oh, I'm enjoying this! Yay! I want some more. It means being pliable before the Lord, being able to be used. So if you're pliable before the Lord, you're going to be used, and out of that comes some supernatural things. And what we saw in the parable is that you're going to produce crops. What we see in that psalm is that you're going to、uh, God's going to grant you the desires of your heart. Believe me, you're going to be a different person. You know, you're going to be wanting. Oh, I want so and so to get saved, or I want, you know, this this situation here to be resolved to God's glory, you know, and all these things, and because you're becoming eternal minded for earthly good, because you want to see His kingdom advance on the earth. Not only that, you want to destroy the works of the enemy. He does not want you to look at Him and destroy His works. As a matter of fact, a lot of people have fear of the devil when they don't need to. And that will be a story for another time. But bear in mind, God has equipped you for a reason—not so that you can live in a recluse life, but so that you can go out and make sure that you are fertile ground. Father God, I thank you that you gave us your word today, Father. And I pray for each and every listener, Father. You know them by name. You see their faces right now. You know every single life that is touched by them, Father. I pray now for those who are hard-packed footpaths, or the ground with the underlying rocks, the shallow ground, or one that is full of thorns. That you would come in, you would remove the thorns and water the ground. For the shallow ones, you would remove the rocks that hold them back. And Father, that you would soften the hard-packed earth. You would till it. So that the good earth would be mixed in, and it would be revived. That each person would be fertile ground, each listener would be fertile ground, that would produce thirty, sixty, a hundred times all the seed that you scattered into their lives. 
Father, that not one seed would be lost. I pray right now, Father, you love these people so much. You know them fully and you adore them. I pray you would bless them now, Father, and that the nuggets that you've given them would come up to them throughout their lives and encourage them to keep the good fight, to run the good race, and most of all, to love the good God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to Buddy Walk with Jesus. For more information, check us out at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Look for us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. You can also find us on Discord at the Buddy Walk community for prayer and fellowship. And lastly, if you check out the episode description, we have a listener support link and we would love your support for this ministry. As always, know that you are prayed for and know that you are loved.